Hey guys, thanks hey. for tuning in. Welcome to episode three of Radio Thank Face you. Stories. I'm Darla. I'm Kezia. And uh, we're happy to uh, be talking at you. <laughs> talking at you. Talking in your ear We're holes. happy that you're still here. If you're here. And we're happy that we're still here. We could just be talking to ourselves later when we listen to this. And that is it. That is it. But I'm I'm totally okay with that. Scooch back. Scooch. Scoot. It's like a... No, it's... I, Scoot. Scoot back. Scooch is a gross word. Oh no. Scoot. Scoot. It's a normal word. I feel like I use the word scooch. Yeah. On a regular basis. I don't think I know. I don't think I know that word. You don't know that word? Scooch? Like scooch over? Well, the more you say it, the less it sounds like a word. Now I have to look this up. Scoot is when a dog rubs their butt against the carpet. When they like walk with their butt dragging. Isn't that scoot? I'm gonna Google this. Scooching. Scoot. It's not scooching, it's just a scooch over. Scooch. It is a word. Yeah. Scooch. scooch. Not scoot. Boot scoot and boogie. <laughs> um, just read it out loud. Scooch. Scooch. <laughs> to crouch or squat. He scooched down and rubbed the dog's head. To scooch. To move in a pass-through or restricted space. The waiter scooched by. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Anyways, I have something to share. Shout out to my friend Whitney for pointing this out. So in our last episode, we talked about um, in Home Alone. Yes. When they said, buzz your girlfriend, woof, right? And you were like, that's not very nice. Okay. um, To say that to a girl. So it turns out it actually isn't a picture of a girl because they didn't want to use a real girl's photo to hurt her feelings. What? Yeah, so who it is is the art director's son. So they got him to, like, make his silly face and put on a wig. And, um... That is the best piece of, inf- like, insider info. How did she even know that? I don't know. She to- she she messaged me that, and I was like, what? That's amazing. And I Googled it, and then... The, Can like, I see? Yeah, I screenshotted. And then the art director said if he had known it would have become the highest grossing family comedy of all time, he might have not used his son. That's photo. hilarious. Isn't that awesome, though? So it wasn't even a girl. No. It's just a goofy I feel dude. better about it. And I think we should put the actual photo We'll do that. On that's, the episode. Because that is it, genius. when you look at it, like, it's just looks like I can, like, envision it, and now I think I can look sound like I can see how it's just a dude in a wig. <laughs> cool, right? That is cool. <laughs> Thank you for that, Whitney. Yeah, thanks, Whit. How's your week been? My week has been okay. Uh, we start our holidays coming up on Thursdays, our last day at work and school, so I just cannot wait for that. So it's this this week is kind of dragging for me. It's it's dragging for me because I want you to not have to go to work anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I work too, but I only have like two weeks off. It's gonna fly by. We'll make the most of it. I don't know if you noticed, but my children did. They earned the the sock the sock basket. Yeah, the DOD. Yeah, they got the the, the DOTD. That made me laugh. Well, because... but you know what the thing is is so that was on a Saturday. They were told to do it, and uh, Pat and I had other things to do, errands and jobs to do. So we said, "You guys do that, and we're back. Like, it needs to be finished." Okay, so we leave them, and we get back, and they're like, "Oh, it was it was so easy. We were done so quick," and we're like, "Oh wow!" Like quite surprised. So then when we go to divide the socks up, like to put them away, and Pat goes to open his socks, put them on, he has one long gray sock and a one, like, pink unicorn sock. So they hadn't even matched them. They just... Did they think they were being hilarious? I think they (laughs) thought, 
those dumb old parents, they are not going to notice if we just match any rando sock. And so they, we made them redo it all. So they oh, had to do that job twice. <laughs> they, were not Honestly? So, they were not so pleased the second time. Okay, first of all, that's hilarious. No. Kudos to them, because I feel like that's I would have done the same thing. But you guys checked, obviously. Well, well at some point, we're going to go wear they, our sock. They probably thought they were being hilarious when oh, they were doing man. it. They didn't think it was so funny when Pat's like... Like, they put an adult sock with a kid sock? Yeah, like it was Pat's sock and a unicorn princess sock. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So, good job, kids. Better luck next time. Well, you gotta get that bin filled again. It won't take long. <laughs> My dog ate the children's advent calendar, so that was a highlight of oh, our week. Oh, yes. And that was very fun. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm just ready for this to be over. I need a, I need a breather break <laughs> yeah and we might do we might do some fun podcast things during the break yes. too so um i have I mean, a cemetery for us to visit during this break oh sweet so okay that's I think a plan we should i'll talk to you about maybe, yeah maybe we could take a day trip because who doesn't love to visit a cemetery on christmas holidays i mean sounds i'm sounds all like in. a great night out <laughs> a great covid safe night absolutely out. we can mask up and visit the dead let's do it well, I did want to say that when I was rehearsing my podcast today, I um, <laughs> I told it to my cats. <laughs> I was like, Hobbs, Louie, please gather around. I'm going to tell you my story. And <laughs> they were both napping. Gave me a very weird look. But it was fun because it makes me feel less crazy that I'm like talking out so loud. Telling your podcast to your cat makes you feel less crazy than, than yeah. just reading it to yourself. Reading it to myself out loud. I suppose maybe that's where we differ on <laughs> something. But what I've, my, uh, my parents, I encourage them to listen and they both had the same reaction as they, I said, Hey, did you like the second episode? And they said, of course, the part we listened to, cause then we, we fell asleep. So they're much like your cats. Um, they, how do you fall asleep? Because they're, they're old. They're it's literally like. I, I think they listen to it in the evening, and maybe they had a glass of wine, and you know, maybe my the sound of my vo- voice is very soothing to them, perhaps. Oh yes, it <laughs> I is. doubt it. The sound of our daughter—it's like a waterfall in spring. That's right. It's a babbling <laughs> brook. <laughs> it is a babbling brook. It is something like that. <laughs> um, should we um RPS this thing or what? I hope you win this time. I do too. Okay, ready? Rock, Pippa. son of a. Son of a nutcracker. <laughs> no! Second hand son of a sea cow? <laughs> what? Do you remember what my mom used to say that? No! My mom used to say that. Like, say it again. She, instead of swearing, like I remember, she'd, she'd, say be, like, son of she'd a... be like, second hand son of a sea cow? <laughs> I love if, you, mom. If we ever get awesome enough and big enough to have like a shirt, that needs to be the first quote on our shirt. Is secondhand son of a sea cow. <laughs> Do you know, I would wear that now, so we should just make that happen. Uh, Don't you think? I, yeah, I'm down. Ready? <laughs> Do the exact same thing you were doing before. Okay, ready? Rock, paper, scissors. Let's do it. <laughs> yes! Victory! Oh, snap! And that's the first. That's, that's my, first, first, my first, first W. First and the last time that you will ever win, Rock, Paper, Scissors. <laughs> I am the undefeated world champion. That's not a real thing. We'll see. Okay. Also, I got a wine with a devil on it because um, 
I just thought it was appropriate. Gives a devil of a good time. Gives you a devil of a good time. <laughs> Ghoulie! <laughs> uh, okay, so my story, buckle in, guys, is, uh, oh, <laughs> sorry, let's just let you finish doing that. Okay, is that so all you're going to do? For now. Okay. I need you to catch up. At 5.55 p.m. on Tuesday, May 3rd, 1887, a tremor shook the entire city of Nanaimo, B.C. In moments, everyone realized an explosion had occurred in the mine. A second explosion caused by igniting coat dust shot through the underground shafts for over a kilometer, blowing burning debris hundreds of feet into the air. The piercing sound of the mine's steam whistle was the next thing to be heard, sounding the alarm and sending fear into the hearts of every mining family. This is the story of the Nanaimo number one mine explosion, the worst mining disaster in BC history. Whoa, that happened in Nanaimo. Yeah, man. Come on. So coal was the primary resource that gave Nanaimo its start in the 1800s and provided its people steady employment over the next hundred years. Nanaimo's longest running and highest producing mine is the Esplanade number one, and it ran from 1884 to 1938 was operated by the Vancouver Coal Company. It was located on Milton Street, downtown. Oh, yeah. And it had shafts. Get this. It had shafts and tunnels that extended under the harbor to Protection Island, to Newcastle Island. Holla to your boy, Kanaka Pete. <laughs> and always Nanaimo River. What? Underground. What? Yeah, that's how deep the mines went. Whoa. So just as the people of Nanaimo were sitting down for their dinner, two explosions back-to-back could be heard for miles. The first explosion started deep underground, 260 meters below sea level. Whoa. And this is after, this was due to explosives that were improperly laid. So we know that, obviously, coal mining is dangerous. It's hard and often dangerous work. But the Esplanade mine was actually known for its safety standards at that time. David Hill Turner is a curator at the Nanaimo Museum, and he's quoted as saying, It's common perception, perhaps, to believe that adequate safety standards weren't established at the time or that working conditions were terrible. But the truth is, it was considered one of the safest mines. It had extensive ventilation, routine inspections, and modern safety equipment like rebreathers for the time. It was difficult work, but it was good work. So what's kind of crazy is that this mine that had all these safety standards and was, you know, kind of like a peace of mind for the people, that's the one that had like the worst explosion and killed the most people well yeah they're too safe it's too safe (laughs) i don't think that was the problem okay so according to an article in the nanaimo news bulletin the second blast was coal dust igniting as the explosion rocketed through the underground shafts for almost a kilometer swallowing coal dust as it went the pressure blew burning timbers and rock out the adjacent hoisting and venting shafts above ground and the wooden frame built high above the pit caught fire and burned to the ground. So imagine wow. you're sitting down to have your dinner. You hear these crazy explosions. Right away, you know what it is. And if you were even anywhere close, all this debris would be shot high into the air. And at the time of the explosion, there was 156 men working in the underground <gasps> in the massive mine. Wow. 149 of these men didn't die directly from the fire or the shockwave but they slowly succumbed to carbon monoxide poisoning. So they were all stuck down there and just slowly died, all breathing in poison. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Some of these men survived for hours. Uh, many wrote messages in the dusty floors with their shovels <gasps> Yeah, to their loved ones as they lay there dying. There was one victim in particular, John Stevens. He wrote, 
13 hours after explosion in deepest misery in white chalk inside wow. the mine. So they found how did out he later. know how many hours went by? I'm sure he just counted. Like, crazy. Yeah. Just imagine just sitting there, like, waiting to die. Like, yeah, you just knowing know. you're going to die and there's nothing you can do. That's all he wrote, oh, in deepest awful. misery. Only seven men survived. They'd all been stationed in the mine's engine room. And these guys actually fought the fire that came through there to protect the engine room because it had the pumps that provided fresh air to all the shafts. They were hoping that if anybody was going to be saved, they needed to keep that air flowing. So they fought this fire for as long as they could. But the fire burned underground for two weeks. What? Yeah. And hopes of finding any survivors was just gone at that point. So. That is awful. Yeah. Was there no exit? Like, nowhere for them to... Well, I think once the explosion... It it shut everything out. Yeah, and it would implode. Like, it would collapse. It took two more months to recover the last bodies. Wow. Although seven men... So this is pretty crazy. There's still seven men that remain somewhere beneath Nanaimo Harbor to this day because their bodies were never recovered. And the names of those... I have the names of these guys. So two, two of them were Chinese laborers, and unfortunately at that time, Chinese laborers weren't hired directly by the Vancouver Coal Company. They were subcontracted by other other companies and these companies did not keep records they didn't care and all the chinese men just had numbers of the pit they worked in so no one even knows their names so there's two chinese laborers that were never located as well as jonathan blundell robert nicholson thomas dawson thomas hughes and george biggs and that george biggs is that a relative of mine a distant relative of ours my family's did you know that not until no i was reading this and actually when i talked to my dad he's like you had a great, 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 great times a hundred uncle that died in that mine. Whoa. I don't know how many greats. I did try to figure it out. It's a lot. <laughs> also, it said some a lot of the victims from this explosion are buried, and this is the cemetery we're going to go to, at oh. the St. Peter Catholic Church on McClary Street. That's where my grandma used to live. And actually right where, where the girls went to Brownies. Yeah, that, is that church. Where we, but is that where we, didn't we move into? Yeah, that one. The, the yeah. cemetery there, that is where these people and that explosion are buried. That's like the, one of the oldest cemeteries in Nanaimo. So the section of the mine where the explosion occurred was then they flooded it. So it was never to be used again. The death toll at Nanaimo's number one Esplanade mine was Canada's second worst industrial accident to this day. At the time, Nanaimo had a population of 4,000. So the deaths had a significant impact on the families and the economy. In total, 46 women lost their husbands, 126 children lost their fathers, and the mine lost 25% of its employees. So it did reopen after the explosion, despite it taking up to two years before becoming fully operational again. The Esplanade mine continued to produce 18 million tons of coal before closing for good in 1938. I didn't find any direct haunting stories for this, but I mean, there's no way that all those people that were lost, like, Mm -hmm. I know that how haunted is downtown. Um, I'm sure there's connections to this kind of a tragedy. Right. And those kind of stories, for sure. So my resources for this was the Nanaimo News Bulletin, the Times Colonist, the NanaimoMuseum.ca website, and the NanaimoArchives.ca sweet crazy i never knew about this i didn't know that so but so okay what's in there now in all those mining it's down like wharf street uh it's going to be where you know how they were supposed to have that cruise ship uh terminal terminal being built it's right there that is where this all was wow yeah but is it like 
There's a memorial closed? down there too. Yeah, there's nothing like the there. Shafts. Yeah, they're closed. Full so there's mine shafts all over. There was mine shafts all over in Nanaimo, like everywhere. There's one on Wellington, uh, like our family farm way back in the day. There was like little family farms would have their own mine shafts. Like, could you find? Could you go in them anywhere? Like, could you find Wait, any? Probably other? like a long time. I'm sure they've closed them all safely now. But right. there was abandoned mine shafts. I mean, that's not something. It's not very safe for us. Well, it's just cool that yeah, it's. Your family. Yeah. My yeah. great great uncle rest, great, rest in great, peace great, great, in the great. mine. And he happens to be one of the bodies that were never found. So maybe he's the floating ghost that Oh right. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Break well time. commercial break time. Hi everyone, it's Rebecca again from Radio Face Stories. I couldn't be here for this week's recording, and honestly, I was hoping for some normal audio to edit this week. Suffice to say that didn't happen. Thrillist ghosts are... <sighs> well, just take a listen for yourself. Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, we're back. We back. We are back. My story is the murder of Charles Kincaid. What's going on? I'm going to choke. What's recording? I don't know. <laughs> Um, Darla's, Darla's haunted phone oh, stop. just started recording what I was saying, <laughs> Get out of out, here. like, literally out of nowhere. Just, can you just say that that does happen No, that did not happen, and what did happen was I almost choked on ice, okay? <laughs> okay. On June 3rd, 1898, Charles Kincaid was brutally murdered by his lover, Belle Adams, a sex trade worker in Victoria, in a crime of passion and mad jealousy. So, she was a sex trade worker but she also was a his lover and yes they were passionately in love they were their relationship was a bit messed up okay. as you will learn as in this and see my problem with stories like this, my first instinct is he probably had it coming but i'm willing to hear the whole thing first hear the whole thing okay charles was murdered on the first floor of the empire hotel on johnson street bell had committed the murder because Charles had told her he was planning to leave her for another woman, another prostitute, and move to Vancouver with her. Wow. Belle was a little blonde 23-year-old who had left her husband and child in Nelson, B.C. to move to Victoria to be with Charles. How old is Charles? Do we know? Um, we don't know. He's probably old. He was probably old, yeah. I mean, it's that era that old age gaps weren't, white, a, dude. <laughs> weren't a thing. So, so Belle was married. Mm-hmm. She was originally from Seattle. He was from Kansas City. So they're both originally from America. Ended up in Nelson where they met. So she was unhappily married. And when she left for the Klondike, she decided to abandon her family. So she went to the gold rush to, to be a prostitute. Though, yes. Not to search for gold. No. She follow, basically followed Charles to Victoria. So I guess they were already hooking up at this point. Charles was known as Charlie Brown by his friends. He was a pianist. A pianist. Pianist. I hate saying that word. Pianist. <laughs> Piano. Tiddling the ivories. <laughs> Ooh, another pianist. And a guitarist. So he's a musician, I guess. You could just say musician. He was a musician. <laughs> Like, he must have been searching for gold as well. They, no, they he, met was, he was specialized in pianetry. <laughs> in pianetry? <laughs> in guitaratry. 
<laughs> Sounds so fancy. He was born in Kansas City and was also married with two children, but his wife had passed away, so he remarried. He re- remarried. He married again. Be- not Bell. Not Bell. He remarried, and then he moved to Nelson with his new wife. Dang. In 1895, that's where he met Bell. He moved to Victoria in 1897. With Bell. Bell followed him. Okay. It says she followed him, so I don't know if there was, like, an agreement. They're like, let's go together, or he's like, I'm out of here, and she's like, oh, my God, I'm coming with you. Because I'll come find you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the morning of June 3rd, she was informed that Charles had planned to leave her, so she went to his hotel room and waited for him to return. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, trigger warning. Trigs. Trigonometry. <laughs> Can we just be serious? Rock knowledge. Why don't we do this when you're telling a story? I don't know, because I don't pause. Oh, I, do, I don't know. You're more respectful than I am? I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kibosh your next story. Good luck. I'm just going to tell jokes the whole time. Okay, Belle, so, okay, serious. This is serious. Belle severed his head with a razor. Whoa, wait a minute. How do you... S- just wait. Okay. He yelled... She killed me. My God, she's killing me. Her response, I was mad to do it, but oh, I love you so. Whoa, it's so dramatic. Like, I, I'm just so envisioning this. She sawed through his. Why is he not fighting back? Well, we're going to get into this. We're going to get into this whole scenario. Like, I'm envisioning him, like, l- allowing her to razor slowly, you know, like, a little bick, like, yeah, I mean, nick, and then a bigger nick, and then now you know it's gonna bleed for a while, and then she just keeps going, and he just lets her do it as he hollers out, she's killing me, maybe, but I love you, I love you, but I love you, can you look up a little bit, to the left, I need to get that part of your neck, that just sounds so absurd, okay, sorry, this is an absurd story, so, Immediately afterwards, he staggers down the stairs oh. onto the street and collapses. Belle fell, falls onto him and embraces him while pleading for his forgiveness. Um, oh, uh, no. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll just be okay. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> we're good. We're good. I'm going to recover from this. I'll get over I'm it. I'm dead, but we're good. And a few moments later, the police arrived and dragged her away. That's messed up. Isn't that messed up? So at this time, I think there was only two recorded murders by women like it was very rare right so that's why this was such a big story back i think then. women usually do other sneakier like they poison, poison. people and stuff like yeah that. we're a lot smarter about it yeah later when she was questioned by the police she confesses to using a razor to saw through his jugular sick half severing his head from his body oh. <laughs> she was under careful watch to make sure that she wouldn't take her own life on June 5th, 1898... He ran out into the street with a half-severed head? Yeah. Is he part chicken? Like, <laughs> it's just like, puts it back it on. It's just dangling right. and swinging around, <laughs> and he's, like, still yelling. She's killing me. <laughs> I wish you could record the video version of this oh, video. I feel like that's real. That would be maybe offensive. <laughs> I don't know. Um... So on June like 5th, nearly headless Nick <laughs> from what? Harry Potter, nearly Just... headless Nick. I don't know. Never mind. We're not oh there God. yet. <laughs> We're still. We've only watched the first one. 
On June 5th, 1898, she was accused and committed to stand trial. I just need to tell you that Nearly Headless Nick's in the first one. He's in the first Harry Potter. I don't remember that. Why don't you? It's John Cleese. I, I blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, we need to rewatch. We movie. need to start from scratch. Nearly headless? How can someone be nearly headless? Okay, I don't have then Harry Potter quotes. Then he pulls his head off. Listen. Okay. If you have Harry Potter quotes, okay, you've obviously watched them a lot more than me. I have children. In order for me to gather quotes. Yeah. I need to have watched it at least two or five times. <laughs> Tour de France. Tour de France. Got it. Thanks. Go. Story. Cyclist. The first witness was Dr. R. L. Fraser, the coroner, and he was called to the hotel at 9 p.m. on the night of the murder. In his testimony, he describes the state of Kincaid's body, that his head was half-severed from his body. Gross. I know, right? <laughs> Two other witnesses said they saw Charles come out of the hotel with blood flowing from his neck. The last witness that was called was Constable Anderson, who was first on the scene and had escorted Belle to jail. She had told him she grabbed the razor and drew it across his neck, but did not mean to kill him. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Charles Atkinson was another witness. He testified that Belle waited for Charles in his hotel room all night and was planning to, quotations, dope him. Dope him? When he came home. Dope so him. So maybe, like, drug him. Okay. Charles, you're dope. <laughs> <laughs> to just, he was planning on waiting for him to come home so she could tell him he was dope. Just to compliment him. <laughs> he... <laughs> okay. Please don't leave me. You're so dope. But you're dope. We're, dope. <laughs> We're so stupid. <laughs> and that's our second t shirt. <laughs> Another witness, Carrie Johnson, told the court she had heard Belle threaten to kill Charles if he ever left her, and he locked up his razor several times in fear of this. Like, how would she know that? Whoa. Yeah, that's weird. Like, and he just like, locked up razors as a precaution. Like, she may use the razor on like, me. That's someone locked them up. Yeah. And yeah, how does this... That's weird. I don't know, man. This is like a rocky relationship it's at best. It's awful. Another officer, Constable Murray... Murray... Murray. Like, you say it like it's the word furry. Murray. How do you say it? Murray. <laughs> Murray. Officer Murdoch <laughs> testified saying there looked like there was absolutely no foul play in the room at all. Oh. Right? So the plot thickens. The defense attorney, Mr. Powell, had a bunch of witnesses to base his defense on, but he found out that Crown would not be using any of these witnesses. So he asked for a recess and then ended up being granted adjournment of one day to reassess his defense case. So the trial would commence on October 8, 1898. On October 9th, Belle Adams testifies, claiming she acted in self-defense. Hmm. The court recessed again for two days for the Crown to cross-examine. Powell called in several witnesses who claimed they saw Charles chasing Belle with a razor and threatening her life. Marble Brockaway. Whoa. Cool name, right? Marble Brockaway. <laughs> you get the best names in your stories. I know. They're so good. They're, like they Packenham? I still think about Alma that Alma Packenham? That's nuts. And George Percy Stoner. And then this is what? Marble Brockaway. She had heard Belle yell, Oh, Charlie, don't, before he dropped dead on the street. He killed himself? I don't know. Another said he saw Charles chasing her with a knife, screaming nasty names at her. 
another time, like not the right. same night. And this came from a few other witnesses as well. So there was definitely enough evidence to support her claims of self-defense. Dubya Burns had seen them two weeks before the murder arguing over money problem. He had heard a scream the morning of the murder, and when he went to see what was up, he saw Charles actually choking her out. Hmm. And he had to pull her away, and then Charles threatened to kill her with a knife. So obviously these guys... Charles seems a little unstable. Yeah, the... They had an extremely unhealthy relationship. Both of them sound like they're just batshit crazy. Mm -hmm. Threatening each other all the time with razors. And I'm sure, obviously, like, at one point, one of them was bound to kill the other one with all these threats. Like, why are you even in this relationship? And why do you keep razors in the house? And why are you causing a scene that there's, like, 30,000 witnesses? You know what I mean? Like, everyone's like, yeah, he said, she said. They're just always trying to off each other so when bell was on trial she had told the court he threatened to kill her on several occasions because she would threaten to leave him Hmm. so this is just like the most boring court case ever probably he said she said court date with toddlers like yeah no one's no one's telling the truth no one they both yeah they're both just idiots (laughs) so and then she denied ever threatening him she claimed he had approached her with the razor and she had grabbed it and cut him but she must have been, like, really strong if that's the case. Maybe he was drunk. I mean, yeah, he did come home that night. Who knows? The court then decides to recess until the next day. The trial ends on October 11th, 1898. It only took one week for the jury to reach its verdict, and she was convicted of manslaughter. Wow. With a strong recommendation of mercy. So, Mr. Justice Irving... The judge announces, in light of the evidence, Bell Adams acted in self-defense. He also tells the jury to not judge her based on the life she led and her association with Mr. Kincaid. That's kind of a heads up. Like, good for him. I know. I thought that was... Yeah. I thought that was cool. Absolutely. The Crown's theory was that Bell was madly in love with Charles, and this is why she killed him. I mean, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Well, but as all these leaving. previous stories we've told, everyone's killed the person that they've been in love with. So that's true. Lots of head chopping maybe that's, maybe that's how they showed love in the 1800s. Decapitation. Mr. Barnes's testimony, the guy who said he, he caught him choking her, that one played a big part. It was also suggested that she was not madly jealous, but in fact fearful of her life. So on October 13th, Bell was sentenced to five years. For murder. Of manslaughter for the murder of Charles Kincaid. Her attorney, Mr. Powell, said she had killed him in the heat of passion after receiving ample provocation. The jury also stated that it could not have been self-defense as there is no way she could overpower him. Hmm. Yeah. And they did not believe all the witnesses' testimonies okay. that it was self-defense. So if your argument is that she self-defense, she couldn't overpower him in self-defense, then you can say the same thing for attacking him. How could right. she have enough strength to... Attack him. Attack him and slowly saw off his half of his head while he spoke. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. It's the same argument. How did she overpower this man, whether it's self-defense or if it, she's the right, aggressor? Right, Like, there has to be... like We're maybe, missing something. Maybe she did dope him. Yeah, or he's already intoxicated or something. Right. Or, or I don't know. It's pretty much... That's a real... It's very confusing. It is confusing, for sure. And they also said that she could have left him at any time. So the fact that these two were, like, still in this relationship to the point of this happening is just crazy. 
She was sent to Kensington Penitentiary as the local jails didn't have proper facilities to house women. Because like I had said before, it was like pretty rare for women to commit these kinds of So there was only male prisons? Yeah. She got her own little spot somewhere. In the, in the local jails. There right. was other penitentiaries that could house women. So yeah, the story goes to show how the public opinions of prostitutes can be swayed. And the truth about her life with Charles came out for the public to judge. So basically, as I was going to ask you, what do you think happened? I have a really hard time believing that she was able to attack him and, and, and saw off his, half of his head with a razor without him able to defend himself. Right. Maybe. I mean, I suppose if you cut the jugular in one she... front and one, you know, if you cut your jugular, that's, that's pretty serious. You're, you're probably going out. Well, the thing is, if you come up behind someone, like, but unexpectedly... It's just the way this is it's worded. It's just, yeah. Like, it's she like could she just take sawed one, it, and right. it was like... She could have just taken one slice. But then I think at that point, you're in shock. He's probably doesn't know what's going on. Like, I think in order for him to maybe have, like, grabbed her or, like, attacked her, he would have had to know what was happening. I mean, it could be anything, though. It could be, maybe, they, you know, they're fighting, and... She had a razor and kept it hidden or something because she knew they were fighting. And then he turned to grab her and she swiped him. Like, that right. would be self-defense, even though she had it already and was prepared. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's so many... There's so many things. Variables in this story that there's you would never know. So no. it's almost like they chose the middle ground, giving her five years. Like, if she's innocent, she's only going away for five years. If right. she's guilty, well, at least she's going away. She's They said she's guilty. Yeah, but I mean, inevitably, someone someone died. There was a murder. So the resources for this story came from web.uvic.ca. It was an article um, called Airing Victoria's Dirty Laundry, which was derived from the Victoria Times Colonist in 1898. So I think it was a student paper, actually. And there's more about um, the history of prostitution in Great Britain and Victoria and also in San Francisco. So if you want to know a little bit more about that, you can go check it out. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That was really interesting. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. What's the first thing you're going to do with your Friday, first day off on Friday? Sleeping. As much as the children let me. Um, other than that... I am going to make a whole pot of coffee and sit down and watch the morning news and have nobody talk to me. Is that possible? No. Well, (laughs) yeah. How about you? Um, Oh, this is what I wanted to do. I did want to ask you your top three or four favorite Christmas movies of all time. Ooh. Die Hard? That counts. And we just watched A Christmas Story with the kids for the first time. Asher has a t-shirt where it says... I double dog or triple dog dare you, and the kid sticks his tongue to a frozen pole. <laughs> so he had this shirt, and he didn't even know what that was from. So we had to watch the movie the other night. So that was pretty good. The old school Grinch, like Doctor Seuss cartoon version. Oh, okay. It's definitely. Is you say three or four? Three, three or four. Or four. I have four. That's why I said three or four. And love actually. I just started watching that the other night, but I wasn't really paying attention, so... Oh, it's good? Maybe watch that. It's it's good, it's also sad, and yeah, it's lots of things. Well, let's watch it together. Okay. Okay. Sweet. I haven't watched it this season yet. 
How about you? So, Love Actually, um, well, no. What's yours? So, mine are Home Alone, the first one. Shit! I missed Home Alone, the first one. Actually, The I'm... Grinch, the Jim Carrey Grinch. Okay. He is amazing, and every time I laugh at the same jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. National Lampoon's Christmas classic. Vacation. That's always a classic. Cool. We used to always watch that every year, my family. Um, oh, Elf. Elf's good. So, you know what? This is hard for me because we the first one we always watch every year is Elf, and that's one of our favorite. I have two more than four. Elf, we always watch. Elf and then Home Alone. Like, yeah. In that order every year. So, we've done that first three, and then we watch Die Hard. Well, not all of us. Some of us. <laughs> <laughs> is that a Christmas movie? Well, it... It like takes during place. Christmas. Right. When's the last time you've watched Die Hard? Like, honestly, my friends oh were talking about this God. the other day. Can we watch it, And, please? yeah, early days of Bruce Willis. Well, the first one's amazing. Okay, cool. We'll so, watch that instead of Love Actually. Okay. Look, but if there's actually, time, we'll watch Love Actually. But actually? actually Die Hard Actually. <laughs> <sighs> Should we call her a night? Yeah, let's call her a night. Um, thanks, guys, again, for tuning in and... Um, Send us some emails or comments and let us know what you think. Give us feedback. Give us some feedback. Yeah, feedback. We want story ideas or corrections if we've messed up, which has definitely happened. Things we could do better or things we could do worse. Your definition of scooch. We didn't do a woof of the day, but woof of the day is Kezia spilling alcohol on my closet floor every time she comes in here. That's because Darla's haunted. (laughs) You are my same height. That is neat. That is neat. (laughs) Good night.